I work her days. That's not a number, but it's definitely <clears throat> something that we pay a lot of attention to. Um, I think also, you know, just looking at our workforce and looking at employee engagement, looking at not only the diversity of the workforce, but you know how we are making sure uh, our managers are as inclusive as possible, um, and we want to be the standout site for that. So. Um, we're a relatively junior site as well if you look at uh, our site versus other sites. Um, so it's really important for us that things like people management, people leadership um, is front and center. And you know, the extent to which our people leaders are trained and are skilled when it comes to diversity and inclusion is something that we track very closely. Absolutely, uh, Kingsley was from the number the industry. Um, you mentioned at the beginning sustainability. And, um, you know, the business council in the US recently came out with that statement that the role of the company is not just to service the shareholders, but also to be aware of the stakeholders. And uh, the millions of young people around the world marching over the last few weeks. So I'm interested in your thoughts on that dynamic. Um, how does Google respond to it? And where do you see that dynamic going? And what should companies do to respond to that dynamic in the next five, ten years? Yeah, I mean, I think there is, you know, there's definitely something in terms of kind of that grassroots. Um, um, feeling about it, and, and, and I think there's that, that kind of grassroots nature is actually very an, a very important point of Google's culture. Uh, I think if you if you look at kind of the way Google has grown over the years, it's it's still a relatively flat organization. It's still an organization where anybody in the company can ask the CEO any question every Thursday, right? And 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 we'll get an answer, right? And um, so so the grassroots opinion is very important. Um, and, and, and it does influence, it does influence how leaders think. And I think over time, you know, the fact that, you know, the, that leaders get more questions around this and what are our responsibilities in this area. I mean, my boss was over just a few weeks ago and we our town halls, which tends to be typically kind of business-focused town halls. She got a question on sustainability. You know, so, well, what are we doing about it? And not only what are we doing about it, but because we work with small businesses, how are we helping small businesses who don't have the resources that Google has, um, you know, be, be more sustainable businesses? Which was a fascinating question, right, from somebody who's probably only a few weeks in the company, right? Um, so I think it's, it's about kind of capturing some of that grassroots and some of the energy that's coming from, uh, you know, the graduates who are just coming out and they're coming in and, and you know, they have, uh, you know, certainly in our company, they have an ability to influence um, leaders in terms of how much responsibility we take on in that area. Um, and I think the second thing then is just thinking about the scale at which we operate, the larger companies, the scale at which we operate, you know, a small decision from those companies can have a big difference in terms of how energy is used or data centers. And I mean, already we do a ton of work with our data centers and to, uh, you know, to make sure that they're running with, you know, as much renewable energy as possible. So said we've been carbon neutral since, um, since, since 20, uh, 20, uh, since 2007. And um, so, you know, I think at that, that kind of planning infrastructure level, then I think, you know, uh, you know, all companies need to be, you know, do, doing, looking at this and making, making whatever decisions they can to, um, I think, just to, you know, to show the way. I want to fill in that, Carson. Thanks again, I'm interested in, you probably have the best people, but do you think that the education system that we have delivers the kinds of skills that um, are preparing the graduates and kids that are leaving that education system for work and for the kinds of flexibility that they're going to be over the course of a lifetime. Yeah, I 
Yeah, I mean, I think our education system stacks up quite well. I mean, if you, you know, obviously we see graduates from all across, um, all across the Middle East and Africa. Um, and, you know, Irish graduates uh, stack up well. I think they do have, um, you know, what, what, what stands out is their ability to, uh, to collaborate and to work with others and to kind of uh, absorb other styles and things like that. Um, having said that, I mean, I think we all want more critical thinking and we all want more, more of a STEM focus uh, across our education system. And that's not just because we want more engineers and more female engineers. We definitely want more engineers and female engineers. But it's because every sector is going to have technology. I mean, you know, every sector is going to have some sort of technology at its core when we think about 10, 20, 30 years' time. And so we don't want, you know, we certainly don't want... Um, uh, we don't want people not being able to take advantage of that because they don't have some of those basic skills. Um, and so a lot of what we've done is try to um, work with government on things like, um, you know, having computer science on the junior star curriculum, work on, work on that curriculum and see how we can make that in and how we can make that in as early as we possibly can. So we definitely would like to see more students studying STEM subjects. We like to see more female students opting into that and not opting out, which is what we see at the moment. Um, and, and, and in addition to that, uh, uh, to, to your point, not just the technology part of it, but the problem-solving critical thinking part of it, because I think that breaks, it brings the agility. Uh, and so, you know, we want to make sure then as well that we have teachers who can teach that, right? Uh, so that's been a large focus of a lot of the, the STEM outreach, the kind of courses we have, you know, we have you know off-the-shelf computer science courses that any teacher can can take, you know, can follow online and use. But in addition to those kind of global programs that we've rolled out in Ireland, and um, we're also doing uh, a lot of work um, on on the research curriculum, working working with industry just to make sure that you know um, we can we can see the, the best possible curriculum going at the junior and ultimately the level as well. I'm a great admirer of Google's, and I find the mission of organizing the world's information in the university accessible and useful is inspirational. Um, just wonder, in relation to the tremendous growth that Google has experienced over the last few years, there are some unintended consequences of that growth, uh, particularly I would feel in relation to uh, the viability of the world's news media at a national level. In Ireland, I know the UK have published a Cairn Cost review on this subject, and Australia have looked at the issue as well. Um, because having strong local and national indigenous media is really important. I know it's not your responsibility to be viable, but there is an unintended consequence of your growth that's impacting on their viability. And that's, that's a worry for the world, I think, in the future, in terms of having that strong indigenous voice. I'm just wondering, what, does that trouble you? I think you'd absolutely agree, and I think, you know, Google would agree that we do we do need those voices, and we do need that diversity, and we do need journalism to be to be healthy. And that's why we have the Links Initiative, um, which is about you know how we can partner with um, how we can partner with uh, news organisations, journalists, publishers, um, to you know to, to support them to make sure that um, you know we're also making sure that they uh, have the skills. Uh, and capabilities they need to, you know, to to, uh, to be successful in you know a world that's increasingly about you know online dissemination of all of that. Um, so you know, we see ourselves as a as a platform. We've done a, I, I think a lot of work over the course of the past a few years to think about news as a specific topic, um, and and it, it makes a change to search it into YouTube to make sure that we're thinking about credible sources and things like that. 
Um, but I think more broadly, the, the news initiative outreach aims at doing exactly that, which is you know, recognizing and acknowledging that there's huge value um, to that continuing vibrancy of the journalist uh, journalism sector. Um, and to think about, well, again, what can we do as an enabler um, and how can we make sure that um, journalism, you know, and journalists can understand the research they can do online and how they can be successful online and just in that whole digital space. Um, so, yeah, and it is, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a moving target because things can change, and with social media and everything is being disseminated, it's changing all the time. Um, but it's definitely something that's, um, but, you know, just goes in a very thoughtful way and, um, uh, you know, and how we can across all of the platforms that we have. Uh, you know, make sure that we're, we're, we're being responsible. Uh, thanks very much. Um, I've been in business for the end of Amazon has an interesting feature with the search and buy We don't trust them because they take our data to compete with us. What kind of products, may I ask, is Google working on so that we have an alternative platform that we can have that feature? I miss what business you were in. Uh, the feature of where you search, but then you go directly to the buy. Oh, sure. Because, you know, with Google, we search our customer search, but then they have to come out to make it the acquisition, whereas Amazon offers the, 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 the facility, you know, you go and you search it and just didn't like button. Yeah. But, but they're a direct competitor. Sure. So this is a problem for us, and we're looking for an alternative. It's always good to have many alternatives out there. Um, I mean, look, I think search is still, still pretty, search still works pretty well, um, and I think you're going to see search develop over the years. You know, over the next few years. Um, I mean, I think our uh, shopping product will be the uh, obvious one, and um, I mean that's you know uh, that's where we have merchants able to kind of directly upload you know their feed of products. You know, and 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 the uh, the ads show up against other search ads. I mean, that really is the the, the key product that we have for the for the retail sector, um, and that is uh, aimed at being accessible for small and medium merchants to be able to you know set up their SKUs and get them up there and um, uh, and appear in a more kind of uh, you know buying ready way versus the other search results. So uh, they they would still be the the two products that we would be. Um, that we would be talking to small businesses about in terms of finding customers and acquiring customers, retaining customers. Can you go further, I guess, is my question. Um, well, I think, you know, what we do, uh, I think we need to think about, you know, where we add most value along that, uh, along that journey, along that customer journey. Uh, and I think with something like um, a Market Finder or Grow My Store, these are free online tools where we help uh, businesses, for example, with Market Finder, uh, find new markets abroad, right? So that's taking all of the information that we have in terms of keyword searches and everything we know about what it takes to export to another country. And any company can go in and look at, you know, who is searching for their product in wherever, right? Uh, and that's launched in Ireland. Um, it's actually launched in America, China, and then Ireland. So Market Finder is, is a great online tool. Uh, Grow My Store, I think, is, a, is, a, is a, another example of that, which is really... Um, uh, looking at how we can help retailers understand the whole customer journey um, and you know what things they need to be thinking about in terms of a retailer to convert better at the end of the day. Uh, and so I think where we can play, you know, where we can add most value, and again, it's, it's, I think 
it's important to think about you know where Google can add most value, right? Um, because I still think we need a lot of alternatives out there in the market, and we need that vibrancy to be there. But where I think we can add most value is where, with example, with Market Finder, where with all of the data that we have at an aggregate level and with machine learning. Small businesses can access that, so they don't have to build that and research that themselves. Small businesses can access that free of charge, right? And I think that's probably where we can add most value. Thank you. And Kiara Farrell from Trinity College. Um, I was wondering if you could about the professional development that you nurture within Google. Leadership development? In general. Yeah. I suppose professional development for type of skills, the agility, the resilience that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have, we have a pretty extensive curriculum. I think our curriculum is is, is going to split between you know our hard skills in terms of the skills needed to do the job plus softer skills in terms of uh, influencing, communication, um, respectful leadership, inclusive leadership. So we look at kind of what people do and then how people do it. Uh, so what are the hard skills? You need to be a great salesperson. Um, what are the soft skills? But then also how are you showing up as a leader? Uh, how are you being inclusive? How are you collaborating? How are you prioritizing delivering results? All of, all of those sort of things. Um, I think that as well, um, a huge focus we've had uh, over the past years is, you know, in not just in training but in, in coaching because I think that provides a huge uh, additional layer of development uh, for every level within the organization uh, because we know that, you know, training can only go so far um, and then really you need to be out there observing what people are actually doing. Um, and nurturing them in a way that kind of helps them to find their own answers because mostly they know it. Um, uh, but you know that is that requires a pivot in, in an organisation. It's not something that you can just drop in. Uh, you know you can't just make a management team a team that is also a team of coaches overnight. Um, and I think that that's really important because of this agility point is that you know, everything is changing, dynamics are changing, customers are asking for different things. Um, you know, the environment within which we're working is changing all the time. So your training can't possibly keep up with that. And so I think you need to be out, role modeling for your team, understanding what your team are doing, observing your, the individuals on your team, whether that's an entry-level salesperson, whether that's a senior leader, um, and giving that constructive feedback and having that kind of ongoing conversation. So that's a huge part of our personal development. Because I think, you know, people get a lot from that. They get that in-the-moment feedback, which really, you know, What's the point in saving all of that feedback for an annual appraisal? You know, I think there's huge power in developing a contract with a person where, like, I'm going to, I'm going to get you to where you need to be in terms of personal development, and here's how we're going to do it. And actually, creating that construct for that ongoing feedback is really important. I've been uh, fascinating to you this morning. Uh, I have a question around what uh, is your view on the key skills um, for the next decade in, in the area of uh, AI and automation. Thank you. I mean, I, I mean, I think there's a lot about problem solving and critical thinking. I mean, I think that they're really important. But you know, what can what can what can machine learning and AI not do? It's it's the EQ, right? It's it's that bit about um, you know. What, what, are you, what are you bringing into a room? Right? What kind of, you know, they have the saying, the, the leader brings the weather with them, right? Are you bringing stress into a room? Are you bringing positivity into a room? How are you reading the room? How are you reading others? How are you collaborating with others? When EQ goes so far, even in terms of like sales, you know, I mean, you can have all the algorithms you want. We have all of them, right? You still have to make a connection with the person 
in the meeting or at the other end of the phone understand their business. And a huge amount of that is EQ. And when, you know, when we're dealing with our graduates coming in, and of course they have to understand the technical aspects of the ad product and they have to understand how machine learning powers our automation and all of that sort of stuff. But if that's all they go in with, they're not going to make the sale. You know, they have to connect with that CEO or with that CMO, understand their business objectives, understand their, their consumers, and a huge amount of that is EQ. And so I think that is just, that is going to be the bit that is left, and that is, that, that's where we all need to think about where we can, uh, you know, where, where we're adding value. So um, I think that's just, you know, and, and within that, I mean, you can break that down in terms of the various aspects of it. You know, for me, it would be, Will be that will be that emotional intelligence. Um, I'd like to finish now by thanking you so much for giving so so generously of your time. I, I no really enjoyed it. So thank you so much. Thank you.